You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Lost Chill Podcast, where the pronunciations are made up and the stars don't matter. I'm Katie. And I'm Kimmy, and we are your magnifico hosts. Welcome to episode 20. 20? Yep. Two, zero? Yes. We're basically adults. Basically. We can count all of our episodes on both of my hands and both of yours together. And we can almost drink legally. <laughs> almost. Not so quite. Soon. We grew up so fast. So this week, for our 20, we are discussing We Begin at the End by Chris Whitaker. However, that's not all we read this week. I think. I read more. What did you read? You always read more. I read Beach Read by Emily Henry, but I think I talked about that on last episode. It's all right. Oh, I'm still reading Nearly Gone. And still reading Mempo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been about three months. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'll finish it eventually. Um, Cool. Cool. Yeah. You? Um, I (laughs) finished my book goal for the whole year this past week. You did. (laughs) So, yeah, I read my 52 books already. Um, The last ones were this one, We Begin at the End, and then Know My Name. By Chanel Miller, which I also talked about last week, I'm sure. Um, and I'm reading Seasons of the Storm now by El Cosmano. Hmm. I sense a theme. Do you? I do. What theme? El Cosmano. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're She's preparing for vibe. something. Yeah. 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 Um. Cool, cool. Are you going to increase your goal or are you just going to keep smashing it? Yeah. What are you going to do? I'm not going to actually increase it because I don't like the pressure. I'm going to try to relax is what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to keep reading. Mm-hmm. Basically, my only goal is to still read what I want while also reading our podcast books. Mm-hmm. But I want to lighten up. I want it to just be fun. I don't want it to feel like work. Was it starting to feel like work? It feels like work reading for this podcast and like I don't, I'm not able to get as much as what I want. Yeah, no, I, I feel that way Which too. even if it's books I want to read, yeah, I think it's the deadline fact and like you have to read this book by this time. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Like I'm usually the one going up to the wire. Like today <laughs> I was, I finished the book like two hours ago, maybe an hour ago. Yeah. Before coming over. So yeah, I, I get it. It's hard, especially with everything else going on in our lives i think that's part of why i did crush the goal so much because i want to insist and like read so much of my own stuff plus the podcast stuff so i'm just i don't know cruising through and audiobooks audiobooks helps audiobooks help a lot especially because i've been having to do a lot of stuff around the house so yeah so that's why but yeah so we post about all the books we talk about on our podcast all week on the lost chill over on instagram there you can also find other exciting announcements. Like uh, what? Uh, what books will be featured. Maybe times we'll hang out with authors. Mm, okay. 
We sincerely hope that you check out what is to come and we encourage you to read any books on there that you haven't gotten to yet so you can join in the conversation. We also have our own individual bookstagrams at Kimmy's Lost Chill and at Katie's Lost Chill where we post about everything. It's hard Mm -hmm. to like sit down and write reviews all the time. It is. I've been posting a lot more other things because I've kind of been falling behind in reading. Oh, I'm like way ahead in reading, but still behind in posting. It's hard to, and it's because I e-read a lot and those don't look as pretty. And They don't. Just got to find all the right stuff. It's it's harder than it looks being on the gram and being aesthetically pleasing, but we're there and we it's are. awesome and we're active. We like to talk. Nonetheless. Um, so you'll find out there's puppies involved. Lots of puppies every Friday. And in between, honestly, mm-hmm. because we love them so we much. do. <laughs> They're really cute. I like to have mine photobomb. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, as much as possible, we get them in there. Yeah. So we hope you hang out with us there. Uh, give us thoughts, recommendations. Get to know us. Let us know what you're also reading, what you also love, what you disagree with us with. But enough of the shameless plugs already. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the book. This week's one. <laughs> but let's let's get to the book of the week which is we begin at the end yeah but we're going to start with some trigger warnings murder drug use child neglect suicide suicide yes and of course as always there will be spoilers but before we get to the synopsis let's talk about chris whitaker for a second he's been through some things has he he has please share So he attributes writing to saving his life a couple of times so far. He was 19. He was mugged. And the suspect not only took his possessions, but stabbed him multiple times in the abdomen. And he tried to stab him in the chest, but Chris stopped him and the suspect took off. After this traumatic incident, he became extremely depressed and turned to drinking and drugs to cope with the lonely and suicidal feelings that he was having. And what started as him writing out the story for his parents to understand what would have been his suicide note, basically, he began to start to feel better. So he decided that he was going to keep living. So he didn't start writing as a career at this point. So instead, he went to the stock market and he became a broker, but he sucked at it and he lost a lot of money. And again, he became depressed, turning to substances, trying to get through this again. And at this point, he began to keep a diary of his feelings, revisiting past traumatic events. Except this time around, he would change the names of the people involved and change the outcomes to where these stories were completely fictional. So after seeing an interview with his favorite author, John Hart, he knew he needed to change, so he quit his job. He had a pregnant wife at this point but he decided he needed to become a full-time author. So he moved to Spain, wrote full-time, and a lot of people thought he was crazy. His first novel was Plucked from the Slush Pile. Shout out to Younger, the TV show, for teaching us years ago what a slush pile was. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, it's basically when people who are nobody don't have any representation in the literary world send in their work to try and become an author and hoping that their works will catch the attention of a publisher or a literary agent. So those are the slush piles. Um, There's a lot of not so great things in there usually, but sometimes there's some gems in there. And 
So obviously, um, Chris Whitaker's was picked out of the slush pile. And recently, he received an email from his favorite author, John Hart, telling him how much he enjoyed his newest novel, which I'm assuming was this book, We Begin at the End. So right now, he works part-time in his local library, as well as writing. And if you are interested in this complete story in Chris's own words, this story can be found on theguardian.com. I'm going to try and remember to post a link to it this week on Facebook and Instagram. So once again, you're about the author is just not enough for me. I know I again? said I know I said you give me too much before, but now I want more. Girl, what do we do? I say we meet with the author again. Again? Again. Oh. We did it last week with Elle. Let's do it again with Chris. Okay, I'm down. So this Thursday, June 24th, we will be meeting with Chris Whitaker on Zoom. It's going to be awesome. Check our socials for time because we cannot math well with the time difference. He lives in London. So we will put the actual real time for you, but right now... We can't count well. We record a few weeks ahead of time, so we're still working this the details out with him and his publicist. But it will be happening on June 24th. We will get you the solid time um, yes. on our social media. So go there for the most updated information. If you're one of our devoted fans who listen to our episodes as soon as they drop, you will have time to hit us up and not only get on the exclusive Zoom list, but send us any questions you have for Chris Whitaker. Head over to the Lost Chill on Instagram. We'll get them added to our list. Oh my gosh. I am so excited for another author chat. So let's get to talking about this book. We begin at the end. So to start off the synopsis, we'll actually begin at the beginning. Hmm. I know. Weird. We meet Chief Walker, a.k.a. Walk, the sole police officer in a small town where not much ever happens. So we meet... 13-year-old Duchess and her 5-year-old brother Robin, the children of Star. We're made to believe they have different fathers, neither of who they know, but they still adopt some sense of identity from these unknown fathers, with Duchess always introducing herself as an outlaw and telling Robin he is a prince. Pretty quickly, we're also introduced to the mysterious Vincent King, who was recently released from jail. We learn that he was imprisoned for the death of a child, and due to unknown circumstances to us, he was tried as an adult even though he was 15. We now learn that Vincent was Walk's best friend. And that's right, the chief of police and the convicted murderer are besties. Things that make you go, hmm, hmm. right from the get-go. There's certainly some detail put into character introductions, but at the same time, they all remained enveloped in a cloud of mystery. While we keep learning more about what they've all been through, a lot of details remain murky and merely allude to a past we don't know about. However, we're quickly forced to focus on the present when Vincent calls the police, a.k.a. Walk, who shows up and finds Vincent with blood on him. Star's been shot and is dead, Robin is asleep and is locked in a bedroom, and Duchess is missing. Thankfully, Duchess returns from getting a birthday present for Robin. Her absence was coincidental and not suspicious. More police from the state arrive, and to them, this looks like an open and shut case. An already convicted murderer returns and kills another. Bada bing, bada boom. Case closed. Nothing more to it. Locke, however, remains unconvinced. For starters, not only is the gun missing, but there's absolutely no residue from a gun being shot found on him. 
And this is his best friend, so he feels deep in his gut there's no way that Vincent did this. It would be super helpful if Vincent or Robin could share any info, but Vincent's refusing to speak about it, and Robin doesn't remember. Walk drives out to Montana to have Duchess and Robin live with their next of kin, who's their grandfather, Hal. And then he returns to Cape Haven to try to find what the state police missed. So we continue to meet a lot of characters. Some are on the more lovable side, like Grandpa and his friend Dolly, who tries really hard to break through Duchess's tough exterior. Thomas Noble, who's another preteen, who also stubbornly tries to get through to Duchess and woo her, no matter how hard she tries to dissuade him. Back in the Cape, Walk is reunited with his old flame from high school, who just so happens to be a lawyer. Except she works in family law, not criminal law, but Vincent insists he only wants her. Probably because that flame for Walk has not completely flickered out, she agrees. Then there are a handful of not-so-lovable characters. Shitty foster families, bullies at the school, people we don't even need to name like that. Mm -hmm. Just treat people badly. And there's a little bit more who are kind of suspicious and people you wonder the whole time might have been the real ones to murder Star. There's Milton, the creepy AF butcher who always smells like blood. Dickie Dark, the very shady male who owns a club for dancing girls, amongst other properties, and who Duchess frequently tells her grandpa will find her in Montana and come to her and that she is not safe. So we keep learning a ton that keeps us guessing. Like the other girl that Vincent King killed? That's actually Star's sister. Milton the Butcher was a peeping Tom who spied on Star all the time and had incriminating photos of her in various stages of undress. He actually ends up committing suicide. We find out exactly how many properties Dickie Dark owns and how he takes advantage of people to get his properties. We also learn he needs all this money to care for a daughter of his who is in a terrible crash and he needs to care for her or he needs to pay for her care in an assisted living center. There's really a lot going on, constantly getting unraveled and, you know, it's a heavy book. Mm -hmm. And something else that is heavy that we talk about all the time on this is elephants. Yep. Usually we talk about purple ones, but I want to bring in another aspect of elephants. Have you ever like thought and contemplated as to why elephants are not very good dancers? No, I have not. It's because they have two left feet. <laughs> Literally, they do. They also have two right ones. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, that completely went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Oh, that's a good one. All right, let's go get a refill, and then we'll work through this together. Without doubt, you are currently enjoying the pure hilarity and delight while listening to the Lost Chill podcast. But I know, in about an hour or so, that old familiar sinking feeling will creep in. What do you even do each week after you finish listening to the latest episode of The Lost Chill? You miss the crazy shenanigans, the silly hootenanny, the general hullabaloo? If only there was another podcast you could listen to that had all those things. Well, have I got some good news for you. 
There is, and it's called the Death Metal Disco Podcast, hosted by our friend James, who talks about whatever the heck he pleases. We can promise that you will be absolutely tickled as he rambles on about anything and everything. Again, it's the Death Metal Disco Podcast. That's death as in the opposite of life, metal as in a genre of music that Taylor Swift has not gotten into yet, and disco, the place where some have been known to panic at. Be sure to check it out, and be sure to let James know that Katie and Kimmy sent you. Enjoy! Welcome back! We hope that you have those glasses or mugs full and you're ready to break down exactly how we begin at the end. So let's break down this title first. It was repeated over and over in the story. I tried to highlight them all, of course, because I really enjoy when books include their title and lines. A lot of times it's only done like once or twice, maybe, but this one, it was done a lot. It was. Uh, The first time that I caught was when Duchess was berating her grandpa and regurgitating insults that her mom had spewed about him, making jabs about how uh, he abused alcohol, how he wasn't soft, not after, and saying he didn't even attend her grandma's funeral. Hal's reply is simply, we begin at the end. I've thought about this phrase and its meaning here a lot. Do you think it's a point of change, like, An abrupt new beginning that's forced after something as harsh as the end of a life, like a kind of before and after situation. Or do you think in this context, it was more of an argument to help Duchess understand him better and let her know that a lot was missing from the story with his mom leaving a lot out and only telling the ending? Well, first of all, I'm really glad that you included this question in the show because I get really giddy. When I see the title, it's so of fun. A book it's in like, the story, we found the yeah, hidden Easter egg. Exactly, it's like a little clue. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I was listening to the the audio book of this, and I just remember thinking, "Man, I wish I could highlight these." So I'm glad that you did. I figured you probably were. <laughs> um, as far as the meaning of this phrase goes, I think that depending on where it was in the book, it meant something different. Where you're talking about um, Hal not attending her grandmother's funeral, I think it was definitely, she was missing parts of the story um, that we may not have known the whole story either. I think that Star, because of their um, strained relationship, her strained relationship with Hal, she did not tell the kids a lot that they should have known in my opinion, at least um, about their grandparents. And I think that that's what he was referring to. Definitely other parts of the book. um, I can't remember exact instances where this phrase was used again. I would definitely have to go back, but I think that there's other instances where um, a new beginning could certainly be tied in. I I can still see what I highlighted, but I can't see... It's on my Goodreads, so I can't see the full... Context. Context. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Thomas and Duchess talking, and in one of them, and Duchess was saying, Hal said we begin at the end, to which he replies, so where are we now? 
and oh, they go, yeah. I'm not sure it matters. And they go, well, wherever it is, I hope we can stay here a little longer. I think it was one of their bonding moments or something. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Like uh, specifically about when Hal said that? Initially, when I first read it, I was kind of thinking of when we first met Hal, he was kind of a churchgoer, but non-believer. And so there was like um, some allusions to religion with him, with like even like saying your prayers. And so I feel like remembering the first time thinking of it being like a new beginning. And I don't know if the religion tainted that. And again, like the rest of the context matters and only highlight so much. Yeah. And so because of what was talked about before it with him too, I think I was thinking that of like, oh, she's in a better place now, like for her. And so kind of just making it of like the funeral and all these things, like that was just the beginning for her, for me, of other things. And it can go either way. You know what it is? Hmm. It's double speak. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yay. See, I thought I was bringing up elephants oh, for nothing. Oh, goodness. But it is. It's one of those things that's very abstract. It contradicts itself. Yeah. It makes none of the sense, but all of the sense. And the rest of the context does apply. And there's lots that can get you leaning how to interpret that. You know what? What? You know what we could do? What could we do? We could ask Chris Whitaker. <laughs> What his intention was with this saying. <laughs> oh, I'm going to ask him about it for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I might not ask him if it's double speak. <laughs> First ask if he's a fan of 1984. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Do you, do you like 1984? Okay, was this double speak? <laughs> oh, gosh. Throughout a lot of this book, it's alluded to that Walk is suffering from an illness. Not much more is really said until it comes out in the trial that he has Parkinson's disease. And the disease seems to be progressing at this point and actually throughout the entire book. Do you think that he may have thought that this was going to be his last hurrah? And that's why he put so much of his all into this case other than his obvious personal ties to the case. 100% no. No? You think it was more the personal ties? I don't think he ever had any hurrah in him. No? (laughs) Otherwise, he wouldn't have stayed. If what he wanted to do was solve cases and go catch bad guys, he would have left. I mean, there was a point, it said point blank, that he's never even done a misdemeanor. He's only done infractions. That's true. So if he cared at all about the actual, like... But this this was a big thing, like getting his best friend Yeah, I off. think it was the personal ties. It was the personal ties. I don't ties. think it had anything okay. to do with him coming to the end of his career. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, part of me thought definitely throughout most of the book i thought that it was the personal ties but then when it came out that he had parkinson's the trial and that it was progressing i thought maybe it was a hint of his career being done if anything i think maybe still the personal ties and but with the parkinson's i think it just pushed him more because he thought that there was no hope and put a lot of that pressure on himself that like I'm running out of time to solve this particular case. If I don't clear Vincent's name, then it will never be cleared. Mm. That yeah. All right. So let me get back to what I really love to talk about, and that's purple elephants and their two left feet. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> one of my favorite concepts in general is the idea of home. We'll call it the concept of home because I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. I believe the first time we discussed this was in The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, 
where Addie kept going back to the place she had been so desperate to leave, even after it changed and everyone she knew had passed away. So there we discuss what makes something home, like why is it so strong? And the whole point of that book was ideas taking deeper root than memories. And is it the idea of home that makes that pull so strong? So in this book, we have Duchess. Duchess is only 13 years old, born and raised in the same place her whole life. And after her mom dies and she knows that she's leaving, she says she won't remember Cape Haven and Walk promises pictures and ways to remind her, but she ends up clarifying. It's not home now. And where we're going, that's not home either. He took it all. To which I infer, oh, Duchess was saying that her mom was her home. Tell me how that resonates with you and how that perspective might make you rethink what you believe of the concept of home. So I vividly remember this conversation in the book because this shattered my heart. It really did. Um, just even talking about it, like it's really sad even now talking about it because she was a hurt little girl at 13 years old. She had seen some shit and been through a lot and lost so many people in her life. And so I think that home is definitely a feeling rather than a place or a person in this case. I think that when she first got to her grandfather's house, she couldn't stand him, didn't want, she was so, she was fighting so hard being there. But eventually after Robin got sick and she kind of bonded with him watching some old movies, bonded with Hal, her grandfather, watching some old movies one night, she began to start forming this relationship with him until he was then killed. And I think that he was starting to become her new home. And then that was taken away from her. And she has to go and find another new home, another new place, person, feeling. And she's constantly, during this one year of her life, having to go and do that. And so... So I wonder then, so at one point, Katie texted me. Uh Uh-huh. And she said... (sighs) She said, Duchess is an asshole. No, 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 no. I said, I want to smack the shit out of Duchess. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Oh, my Because gosh. I did. And I still do. She is an asshole. You still do. Okay. So you, but, you were just like sympathizing with her so much about all she's lost and been through. Yes. You just still would have smacked her. Just because I want to smack somebody doesn't mean I'm going to. Well, yeah, she's fictional. You can't. Even if she wasn't. I was a substitute teacher for a minute. Remember that? <laughs> okay. Take note. Never let Katie teach guys. Still get the switch back out. <laughs> no. Um, she was obviously going through some stuff. But she was even that way to a degree before her mom died. Because that wasn't the first shit she saw. Okay, fair enough. And her mom was into questionable things. One quote in here, 
was death has a way of making saints yes there were so many good quotes there were we loved the same ones yes so before star died there was stuff alluding to her drug use to her constantly like being unable to care for her children Mm -hmm. and so you know there that is something that happens where even if your parent is that neglectful you're still super attached because they're still your parent yeah and you still are protective of them because even if they're not a good parent they're still your constant and your only yeah source of safety i i have a friend whose mom recently passed away and it was sudden and unexpected and they did not have the best relationship at all and we were talking about it and she goes i just didn't expect to feel so upset about this and i said she's still your mom you know no matter what kind of relationship you have they're still your parent so i'm just saying though that despite duchess losing her and her saying that was my home, basically. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she was an asshole before she died still because she was still going through terrible neglect and abuse. Maybe not physical that we know of. Who knows? Yeah. And still, I mean, what the hell was Dickie Dark doing around there? What did she see that happen with her mom and what deals that she made? Like she still had a hard, hard life. She did. And, you know, so... She she had definitely a shield up to protect herself, and it was in this crass, crude, just asshole little girl. And I do think that most people wouldn't have been able to deal with that. But, oh man, you got to look at it, Katie. Look at the rest of the characters. Are you going to be foster mom who wants to slap the shit out of her because she's just some dirty kid off the street? Are you going to be like Dolly and be like, I understand you. Be tough all you want. Not going to work with me. Dolly was such a good person. Yeah. Because she's been there too. Yeah. Showing I her really hope. I loved Dolly. She's like, I'm Dolly. Like pardon without the chest. <laughs> <laughs> that one really made me laugh. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I was also very early, early-ish into the book when I sent you that text message. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. I don't want to hang out with someone acting like Duchess, but I also can see so clearly how that is her shield. It is. And she's been hurt so many times, abandoned so many times that, you know, it's it's one of those um, self fu- self-fulfilling prophecies that we've talked about in the past where, you know, you have your swords drawn and your shields up and you fight anyone and you're like, Everyone always leaves me. You stab them. They leave. See, I'm right. They always leave. Yeah. It is It is an, uh, totally a defense mechanism. But there were, there was Dolly in this book, like you already mentioned. And then there was Thomas Noble, who was also breaking down that hard exterior. Mm-hmm. Those two, and Hal even, I think, was yeah. even trying to break down that exterior and walk to a degree from what he was able to do. Um, they were all, they all knew that she was hurting and that these were ways of her acting out and that it wasn't personal. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were trying to break her down and to let her see that there's people in this world that aren't going to hurt her, but then something else always seems to happen to her. 
And she seems to then take her guard down just a little bit like she did with Hal. And then he's gone. And so she's always getting the short end of the stick. Right. Well, there there was quite a few murders in this book besides Hal, besides Star. So tell me what you think happened with Star's sister. Was that that was never spelled out, was it? It was not. I did not like that. Because you really couldn't form an opinion if you thought that um, Vincent was guilty or not. Right. Because some people, like it maybe even like Hal and Walk were both like it was misconstrued. Yeah. It wasn't quite what it seems. But then Vincent was like, no, I totally deserve to be here. Yeah. And he took a lot of blame on himself. Mm-hmm. And whatever happened, something had to make it seem like it couldn't have been that accidental to make the state, you know charge him as a 15 year old as an adult for how serious it was right so like how is there not any wiggle room like if, even if it's like accidental manslaughter like what makes it him try it that way you know what i mean i honestly have no speculation on what could have even happened do you have any no but it bothers me yeah well I'll, we'll add that and to the list like who knows maybe like drunk driving i don't know he was only 15 Yes, yes. He he probably he might, may or may not have murdered, but definitely didn't drink. <laughs> I meant the driving part. Okay, so so he could break laws one and two of like felony and misdemeanor and all these things, but not driving without a license, not the infraction. Right. Okay. Yeah. There's certain laws that you break. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I you know, I mean, fine. Even doing it sober. How old, do you remember how old Sissy was Mm-mm. when he killed her? I don't remember that. Um, we do find out what actually happened with Star's murder. And how did you feel learning that? And what did you think Vincent's reasoning for that was? So let's talk about how we learned about what happened with Star. And the first kind of clue was Robin remembering something. And he says that he remembers Vincent talking to him. And basically just telling him to hush up and not say anything. And so as a reader, it's very incriminating towards Vincent. And you're like, oh, shit. He, like, did it and then told the kid not to say anything. Right. And then you find out otherwise. Walk me through that. What we find out is that Robin actually killed Star accidentally. Yeah, because... I think it was Dickie who was there, and Pretty he was sure. trying to protect his mom. Yes, from Dickie. But Vincent was also there because we find out that they were lovers, and Vincent didn't want Robin to take the fall. Vincent wanted to protect him, so he basically knew the system well enough to know that there were plot holes, essentially, or just holes in the case that it couldn't be pinned on him. And he just sat there quietly and waited for the case to unravel. And it did. They couldn't prove that he was the murderer because the gun was missing. And there's no way that he had access to the gun. So when you first started saying all that, I made a face at you because I disagree wholeheartedly. With? They're, first of all, they're not going to charge a five-year-old with murder, especially if it's mm. accidental. More than likely. I do not think he was doing it at all to protect him from the law. What do you think he was trying to do? Imagine being five and killing your own mother. 
I think he and was he trying obviously to forgot. protect her mentally and his brain blocked that because it was so traumatic. So I think he One. wanted to, you know, try to get it on him, have stuff on him, get him away from the situation, lock him in the room, yeah. take care of him. I think he was more so trying to protect his mental psyche, make it, you know, almost confusing enough for the for Robin. Well, and then when Vincent saw or sorry, when Robin saw Vincent in the courtroom on TV, he was so upset because he was remembering things, not the whole story though, but he ended up peeing his pants mm-hmm. because the memory was so frightening and so jarring. And so I think you're you're on to something there. I don't think that he was trying to protect him from the law, but also in the same token, Vincent had no idea that he wasn't going to go back to jail. I don't think he was trying to be like, oh, they can't pin this on me. I don't think he was thinking about whether or not he was going to jail. That was also his son. I think he was just trying to protect him. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he's young enough and tired enough that if everything can point to me, and that just protects his mind more, if he, you know, grows up and reads the court case Mm -hmm. and finds out, it's like, oh my memories from that night are just shattered. Yeah. And I even, I've had nightmares about it being me, but you know, all the proof points to him. So maybe it's just bad memories and just a traumatic night that I can't remember correctly. Yeah. It's really messed up. He he was trying to protect his mom yeah. and he ends it's up really sad. killing her. It's really sad. But yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it being as like, Vincent saying, okay, we just tell the police what happened and then we'll both be fine and I can be here with you. He didn't even know him. Like, of course, he'd take the fall for him and wasn't trying to keep anyone out of jail. It's like, if someone has to go, it's me. He already doesn't know me, which sucks, but I don't want him to live with this on his shoulders. Probably because I carry the weight of accidentally killing someone. And I know even... he knew. I knew what it felt like. Even when it's an accident. Yeah. You mentioned that... um, Robin is Vincent's son. Mm -hmm. We find that out. And also um, Duchess is his daughter. And so they both have the same father. They didn't know this until after their mom had passed away. Um, Was this something that shocked you in the long run? Yes. Was it? I mean, he killed, even accidentally, his sister. Or I'm sorry, um, Star's sister. And now father stars children. So it's a little bit of a... We don't know his relationship. Well, forbidden, yeah. The reason I couldn't believe it and that I had a hard time accepting, like even Walk did, is that the the jailer was letting them... Consummate? Yes, in the jailhouse and go to... Like uh, that was, I was like, really... Like enough, how many, and I know it's a small town, Yeah. but when you're in murder, you're probably not at the small town jail. You're probably at a bigger state penitentiary, so, but I don't know. Like, obviously he knew him. I had a hard time suspending my belief enough to that to be like, oh, just let them have a room and have two babies. And I was shocked because I didn't think that they would be having sex while he was jailed the whole time. It is a little bit strange. Not very romantic. Yeah. No swoon. <laughs> I mean, we don't know much about their relationship either, and there's just a lot. This this book leaves a lot to question and to think about. Yeah, but also, what book was it? What was the book that we read where the guy was um, castrated? 
and they had to go consummate. Is this a book I read on my own? Outlawed? Yes. And they had to go consummate their love. Okay, but that was also in like the 1800s. That's true. When they were like, <laughs> making your marriage official is more important than anything. <laughs> That's very true. This Different all, time. I will say there were a few times when I like kind of forgot that this was supposed to be present day. Okay, me too. Because it seemed like it was like 50s, 60s for yeah, me. It felt, for some reason. It felt further back. It did. There wasn't mention of a lot of uh, modern day things like cell phones yeah. or just anything really it just didn't seem but then you sort of learn at least i did i learned that this was modern day pretty far into the book yeah. actually i think at one time it says something yes it's letting when you know and i was just like wait oh when what's her face the lawyer is going over previous case history and she says something about, I forget who she's talking about, but it's a case from the 1990s. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, so this is at least like yeah, sometime in the 2000s. Yeah. So it's pretty modern. So I think that was another reason because I could get it in Outlawed because that was forever ago. This one, I have a harder time believing in Jailhouse Sex. So one of your favorite books is To Kill a Mockingbird. There is yep. a character in that book named Boo Radley, who's the neighbor of the Finches. That neighbor's house is often referred to as the Radley house. The kids in this book are Radleys as well, mm-hmm. with their house often being referred to as the Radley house. Did you think about To Kill a Mockingbird often during this book? I did, and it gave me some nostalgic vibes. I, I actually, <laughs> this is really stupid. When I was a teenager, I found this. Do you remember LimeWire? Yes. I don't even know if this is like a legit band or whatever. And I don't remember the name of the song. But because I love To Kill a Mockingbird so much, I found this the name of the band. And it was called The Boo Radleys. <laughs> and I would listen to that on LimeWire all the time. And it made, for some reason, I thought about that band often. When I was reading this book, I don't know why. You're welcome. Thank you. Let's go back to the book and to you thinking about it. Did you just think about it because like the name would like... Yeah. Okay. It wasn't this book gave you any of the same feelings or themes. Well, I mean, sure. It gave me a little bit of the same vibes because Boo Radley was an outcast and bad things were thought about him and his family because he was just sort of socially different but the same could be said for star i mean they weren't the most upstanding family you know what i mean she was into some shady stuff and was boo radley into shady stuff no he wasn't but just being just socially different i guess is the way was she even socially different i don't know for that town that town was a little rough all of it they screamed like they had some problems (laughs) Which is weird that they never... They only had one police officer. Yeah. First of all, tell me what genre you think We Begin at the End fits in. Oh. I think it could fit in a couple of different genres. Um, probably mystery. 
brief, like, slight mystery, but mainly contemporary fiction, I think. Okay. Um, And how would you say it's paced? We've been talking about that a lot lately. Pretty slow. And finally, then, my final question. As a fast-paced lovin', horror-lovin', thriller-lovin', and also secretly feelings-lovin', do you you recommend it to your like-minded readers? I feel a little bit called out right now yeah you'll never admit to yourself you love no, feelings i won't but anyways i know it our listeners know it. Mm. you don't know it Whenever. allegedly okay. so anyways would you recommend this book to like-minded readers yeah i think it's it's a good book um it's different because the name of the book alludes to i thought we were going to begin the story at the end okay <laughs> and work like, like you find out what happens. And yes. Then, and then you work then, your way back. Yeah. So that's what I was expecting from the beginning. And so I was a little bit caught off guard where I'm like, so wait a second. So what, what exactly happened at the end? And then it, it clicked. I was like, no, that's not what this is about. So that's the only thing going into it. Don't think that's what it means. So, yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay. So what kind of pace did you think this was? I think it was somehow pretty slow pace, but a lot of things did happen. And there was also just some like bumps of thrill, like especially when Hal gets killed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little bumps of thrill. And also not knowing if or when he would turn up. Oh, Dickie Dark. Um, So I think that, I think overall, I would call it a slow burn mystery. Ooh, I like that. Because it was definitely very mysterious. Never figured all of it out. Do you like being left with questions no. at the end? Okay. So do you have a lot of questions for the author? We'll see if he tells us. Okay. I need to know what happened to Sissy, mostly. Do you Do you think he knows? I don't know. I'm curious. I hope so. Well, I'm curious because like even... Um, on El Cosmano's website, it says, don't ask me about any of your favorite characters or what happens to your, uh, what happens in the remaining books of Finley Donovan, because I don't even know at this point, because I don't even know until I'm writing it. That's very different, though, of a finished what's work. going to happen versus finished. Yeah. And I've written about a whole book and I've written everyone's thoughts and experience okay. on this book or about an event in that book, but I don't know what that event was myself. That seems like a stretch. I think he knows. Okay. We'll find out. I'm really curious to see what happened to Sissy. Yeah. I really need to know. Yeah. I also, we need to write down a whole bunch of questions. We will. We'll get there. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. Sorry. We'll, sorry. We'll get there. If you want, if you have questions like we do, tune in this Thursday with Chris Whitaker. Yep. But before we get to that. Your slow burn mystery. Yes. Would you recommend? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I yeah. would. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go back to that. Yeah. This okay. good. So we both recommend it. Lots to... of depth and things to think about for me. And while I don't mind slow paced as much as some hosts of this podcast do, I, I can appreciate it with a mystery. And this definitely wasn't like slow the whole time. There were some big things that happened and... So I think the way that you described it was better than how I described it. It's a slow burn. Yes, it's slow paced, but there is a lot 
going on. Yeah. So it doesn't really seem slow. Yeah. So maybe that's why I didn't really hate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like it. Good stuff. Yeah. So thank you. Thank Thank you you. for those thoughts and input. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in another week. This is 20 episodes. That's so awesome. Oh my gosh. And we're hanging with authors now. Can you believe 20 episodes have gone by and this started in January? Yeah. January 14th. We started talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. January 14th. This wild. We last year, this time last year, this time six months ago, we weren't even thinking about doing this. And now here we are. It's wild. It's wild. Okay. Life is cool. It is. Yeah. Life is also weird. But in regards to this, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that clarification. You're welcome. To find out more about us, the show, blog posts, head on over to thelostchill.com. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you won't have to worry about missing an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday morning, just in time to have with some coffee. Next week, we will be discussing Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully. You think we're going to talk to her too? Hmm. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I guess you'll just have to stay tuned, right? Yes. All right. Or you probably already know because we've already announced it on social media. Damn, time traveling <gasps> gets us again. Time travel. That is a plot hole now in every time travel book. What? That they don't get confused about what has happened but hasn't oh, happened when they talk about Gosh. Things. We get so confused. It's like, very hard. We're, what, four weeks ahead? I don't know. Yeah. We're four weeks ahead right now. So right now, wild. it is May, and we're talking about the end of June. So we have no idea what's going on nope. in the world. We don't. Yep. We're st- stuck in the past. We are stuck in 1984. <laughs> oh, rats. <laughs> <laughs> Pesky time travelers. Oh, time travel. Before next week's episode even drops, do not forget, we are meeting with Chris Whitaker this Thursday, June 24th, and we hope you join us there. So... I just want to make sure, too, because we also have some new stuff going on on the gram that you guys are following us because we are going to be doing some more giveaways. Yes. Lots of giveaways. We have a lot of giveaways coming up right now. Um, We have some books uh, that are going to be gifted out to you guys. So make sure that you're following us at The Lost Chill on Instagram so that you can hopefully be one of our lucky winners. So it's going to be all the fun. So like Katie said... Just check us out on Instagram and Facebook to know all the upcoming books, get some new books maybe, and hopefully we'll keep having some Zoom parties with authors. Sounds like fun to me. Or maybe just with our listeners if we can't get new authors (laughs) to talk to us. That'd be cool. What else? I'm down with that. Yeah. Have some wine and talk with some friends. That'd be so fun. Yeah, it would. Okay. So if you're enjoying The Lost Chill, please leave us a review wherever you listen to us. We're so, we would be so grateful if you did can't talk we can't wait to hear your thoughts about this book and we are so thankful for everyone who has tuned in for the 20 episodes of the lost chill and for those of you who keep coming back to see you next time bye bye